Coming up in this episode, we've got another listener favorite interview for you, this time with author Adriana Herrera. Welcome to episode 265 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Jeff Adams, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everyone. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. For more information on all the bonus content we offer, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Hello, Rainbow Romance readers. Welcome back. Another week, another show. Only this time, we've got cause for celebration. That's right. It is our fifth anniversary. Who would have thought that we would be five years in, 265 episodes, and actually more than that if you count all the bonuses. We're actually closer to 300 than that from a little show that we just started because we wanted to talk about romance books. Yeah, I'm at the weird point in my life, my autumnal years, where <laughs> where it seems like it was just yesterday, but... On the other hand, it's like a million billion years. Yeah, but not too surprisingly, I'm happy we've made it this far. Yeah, we really have. And thank you to everybody who has listened from the beginning. We know there's a lot of you. Thank you to everybody who's come along for the ride in the years. Some of you have been brave and even started within the last few months and have actually gone backwards and binged your way through everything. Thank you for putting up with everything that we used to do back in the day where we were still figuring out exactly what we're doing. Thank you to all of our patrons who help pay the bills and keep things like transcripts going. And and thanks to some of the people who've given us shout outs over time too. You know, I don't think we ever would have imagined when we started out that we'd get shout outs from Oprah Magazine, from BuzzFeed, from Book Riot, from all that. It's really been an incredible journey and I look forward to seeing what comes next. Here's to another five. At least, yes. You've heard some new stuff in the opening minutes of the podcast, and let's tell you a little bit about that. We are thrilled that we now have original music courtesy of fellow MM author Daryl Banner. When we had him on the show back in June, we talked a little bit about his composing life. He's composed for video games. He's composed for some other podcasts, and... I was interested to learn a little bit more about his score, so I kind of dug into the stuff that he's got on Bandcamp and was like, wow, he could do something maybe for us. And we got in touch with him a few months ago, and he said, sure. And so he created the brand new song for us that you heard at the beginning of the show, and you'll hear more of it at the end of the show. Thank you so much, Daryl, for giving us our awesome new theme song. And if you want to learn even more about Daryl's composing, because we only touched on that a little bit in the interview that we did with him, you can check out his recent appearance on the Composer Chronicles podcast, which also happens to be another show that he wrote the theme music for. And I want to give a quick shout out to Kurt Graves as well. You noticed that we took over doing kind of the intro to the show. We loved having Kurt be our voice of the show for about a year. And also passing on thanks on our anniversary to Derek McLean and to Clint Rebick for being the voice of the show over these first five years. So many things changing up here as we cross our five-year milestone. And one more quick piece of housekeeping news. We are going to be changing up the format of the show just a little bit. We're still going to have brand new episodes every single Monday. But moving forward, any additional content will be coming your way on Thursdays. So this new change is really more about helping us on the back end. For you, our valued listeners, we're still going to be delivering the same content that you've grown to love and appreciate, hopefully, over the last five <laughs> years. We're still going to be doing author interviews. We're going to still be reviewing books. 
just in the future, the episodes are going to be a little bit shorter and a little bit more focused. I think focused is a great way to look at that because it'll be interviews always on Mondays and then book reviews or book club or whatever else it's going to be on certain Thursdays. So you'll always have a show on Monday. And in that show, we will let you know if there's going to be a show on Thursday. So you'll know exactly what to expect. And uh, it's an experiment. If we don't like it, you know what? We can change it up again. (laughs) But going forward, I think it'll be nice to have some bite-sized episodes for all of you as well. We'll kick off this new format next week. Yeah. And you just happened to mention the book club episodes. So... I think we'll take this moment to proudly announce that the book club pick for the month of November is going to be The Christmas Deal by Kira Andrews. You know us. We love, 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 love. I'll say it again. We love our holiday reads here on this show. And so, of course, we're going to take an opportunity to get maximum holiday reading in by doing book club with a Christmas book. And boy, did I just love this one to pieces. It was so good. As usual, you have picked an awesome book. Oh, thank you so much. This month's book club pick, that episode is going to be releasing to our Patreon community on Thursday, November 5th. And then later in the month, it will be dropping into the regular podcast feed on Thursday, November 26th, which just so happens to be Thanksgiving Day. The official start of the holiday season. Unless you're like us, where we started already. (laughs) Tis the season. (laughs) And speaking of the holidays, we actually have an upcoming live event that is going to be holiday focused. On Wednesday, November 18th, we're going to have the second Big Gay Fiction Live episode. This time out, it is going to be Holiday Storytime, featuring some of your favorite narrators. We've got Sean Christen, Kurt Graves, Joel Leslie, and Nick J. Russo lined up. And they're going to be doing some readings to help get you into the holiday spirit. And we'll do some Q&A with them as well. It's going to be live on the Big Gay Fiction Podcast Facebook page starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And again, it's Wednesday, November 18th. We've got a Facebook event set up so you can signify that you're interested or that you're going. And so you'll get all the updates on the event as we get closer to it. And we really hope that you will join us there and have a little holiday fun right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I am so glad that we are doing this. I love these four narrators. They're all amazing. So very talented. And it happens to be another excuse just to get together and have some holiday fun. Because Boy, after 2020, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of fun. Yeah, I'll take all the Christmas I can get at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it is our fifth anniversary, as we mentioned, and I love going back and looking at what our top episodes have been. And so I have put together a list of our top 15 episodes over the last five years. And this particular list includes not only our podcast download statistics, but what people are also watching on YouTube. So here we go. Number 15 is Katie Edwards from episode number 223, when we had him here talking about his latest series. Number 14, and I love there is some young adult representation in this list. Lee Wind talked to us about his book, Queer as a $5 Bill, in episode 194. So he's number 14 on the list. Now, number 13 is our GRL discussion that we had last year about romantic suspense when we had Gregory Ash, Layla Rain, and L.A. Witt join us. That was in episode 217. Number 12, we immediately get another visit from Gregory Ash for episode 172. Roan Parrish's appearance in episode 196 is at number 11. And as we cross into the top 10, we start with Max Walker's appearance when he was here in episode 213. 
Now, starting with number nine, I'm going to start repeating a singular name many more times as we creep closer to number one. Number nine is our 2018 GRL bonus episode with TJ Clune when he was talking about his first self-published book, which was Bones Beneath My Skin. Number eight is another that we did at GRL, this time a 2019 bonus episode where we had Charlie David talking to us about the gay romance documentary that he was actually shooting at that year's convention. Number seven are contributors, Jay and Lisa. One of their appearances on the show, specifically this time out, the best of 2019 that we had in episode 221. So glad to see those two on the list because they've been contributing with us for quite some time now. We always like having them on the show. Number six, the Impreg panel that we did from GRL last year. It was episode 215 with Nora Phoenix, Sylvia Violet, Victoria Sue, Susie Hawk, and a special appearance from Charlie David in that one. Number five is a bonus episode that we did with the stars of the rom-com Analysis Paralysis. We had Jason Gaffney and Kevin Held joining us in that episode. Okay, here we go. Top four, TJ Clune from this year's appearance at episode 232 when he was talking about House in the Cerulean Sea and the Extraordinaries. Then number three is TJ's appearance from episode 55 when he was talking about murmuration. Number two, we take a little TJ break here. Number two is Casey McQuiston from episode 187 when she was talking to us about red, white, and royal blue. And number one is TJ with Kurt Graves talking about Ravensong from episode 147. That was a whole lot of names of some really amazing people. Even I'm a little surprised and maybe stunned that they've chosen to talk to little old us. But also, there were a lot of numbers in that list that you just gave us. So, Jeff, please tell us if our listeners are interested in learning more about our top 15 episodes from the last five years, where can they go? BigGayFictionPodcast.com. I will have specific links to these episodes in the show notes so that you can find them super duper easy. Thank you to everyone who appeared on that list, as well as all the other guests who had appeared on the show in the last five years. We're grateful for your time and your expertise and your talent. We couldn't do this show without you. Yeah, absolutely. I I am stunned every time I go look at the page of guests that we've had on the show, which I have to update every Monday, so I look at it a lot, that we've had such amazing people on this show across these episodes. It's really wonderful. And every now and then I'm like... Wow, we talked to awesome, awesome people here. And just look at this list. So yeah, thank you all who have been on the show. And and we look forward to welcoming so many more people um, as we roll forward. So as we shift into the book review for this week, so delighted that Adriana Herrera is releasing American Christmas this week. It kind of really kicked off my holiday reading. And I was so very happy that she also got nominated for a listener favorite episode. And we could kind of bring these two things together. Because as you'll hear in the interview, she was telling us all about the Dreamer series. And now to kind of bring it all back full circle as American Christmas really closes out the series. It's just a wonderful combination in my view. So this particular book, I just adored it. It's a really so very sweet novella. The Dreamer series, since it came out in March of 2019, I mean, we've met such wonderful, such really These characters are so real, and each one of them finding their happy ever after in each of the books has been so wonderful. And for the holidays, Adriana is bringing us a wonderful finale to the series with American Christmas as we finally get to complete the story of Ari and Yen. Now, we met these two when Nesto hired them to work on his food truck back in American Dreamer. 
And they've been a constant presence in the series ever since. We've seen their romance start to blossom. We've seen each of them kind of find their place within this amazing circle of friends. And we've also learned the circumstances that managed to bring them both into Ithaca, where the majority of the Dreamers books has taken place. Now it's Christmas time and Ari and Yen are preparing for their next big chapter as they prepare to leave their support system in Ithaca and move to Syracuse for college. Ari is headed to law school and Yen is going to be starting a nursing program. Now they're understandably nervous about what this big change will mean to them, but they're also super excited. And part of that is planning a big Christmas. Now, Adriana really takes a classic holiday story device and makes it her own here with some beautiful dreamers accents. You see what's happened is that Ari and Yen promise to spend only $100 on each other because they're supposed to be minding their finances ahead of this move and leaving their jobs and going to school. Now, you know how this works, right? When you, you promise you're only going to spend X amount and then you really, really go overboard. They, in fact, both went above and beyond. And unfortunately, what they ended up doing was spending a lot of money on gifts that actually ended up and canceled each other out. <laughs> because when, when Ari gave Yin his gift, Yin could no longer take advantage of something that he was doing and back and forth. But you know what? Everything works out fine because they have awesome friends. Of course, as this initially happens, they're both very devastated. But the friends have their backs, and you can be sure that this turns out to be one of the most magical Christmases for these two before they head off to their new adventure. Now, as with all the Dreamer books, Adriana brings us a story of a couple so much in love and a couple who is looking to create their best lives and going for their dreams. This is not a standalone book, in my personal view. Adriana does give you all the bits and pieces you kind of need to fill in the pieces about Ari and Yen. But I think this book works the best when you have seen their journey through the Dreamers books, because they are there in each and every one. And I'm so glad that this book exists, because I've been a fan of these two from the beginning, and even more so after seeing the big part of their story that's actually in American Love Story, which is book three in Patrice's book. Something felt so perfect about their story falling at Christmas time, too. It's always felt like Ari and Yen are sort of the little brothers in the best possible way to Nesto Patrice and the rest of the gang in Ithaca. And in this case, their found family really came through to make this the best Christmas ever. It's such a wonderful way to wrap up the Dreamer series. I can't overstate how happy I am that these two got their story and really kicked off my holiday season of reading. And I can't wait to listen to the audio. I'm going to have to spring for the audio even though I've read the book because Sean Crisden's narration in this series has been so perfect. And even though I already read this, I know I need him to read me <laughs> this particular Christmas story. And in fact, you can pick up Sean's narration of this book and the rest of the Dreamer series at Libro.fm. You know, we're big supporters of Libro.fm here on the show because of the support that they send to local bookstores with each and every audiobook purchased. They are running a very special promotion over the course of the next two months till the end of the year that when you buy a 12-month Libro FM gift membership, they're going to be passing on half of that money to a local bookstore of your choice, meaning that bookstores get $90 for every 12-month gift membership that you're purchasing. And with independent and local bookstores struggling so much in this time coming through the pandemic, this is such a great way to support them. As I said, this offer is only available through December 31st, so you need to act quick 
to give the gift of audiobooks, whether it's to a friend or, hey, you can gift yourself as well. All of the details about this special gift bundle are at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash audio gift. So do check that out. Is monogamy dead? Are we expecting too much of Tinder? Do millennials even want to find love? The Dateable Podcast, part of the Frolic Network, is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. And you'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kravchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. Ever wondered why a first date didn't turn into a second date? Check out our episode called The Exit Interview, where we helped one of our listeners get answers by calling up five of his recent first dates. Some other notable episodes include The Science of Dating, which uncovers the why of certain behaviors, getting out of the friend zone, which is always a hot topic, and plenty of he said, she said experiments with full-on post-date interviews. Tune in every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey there, this is Will. Did you know that not only do Jeff and I love to talk about gay romance every week here on the show, but we've also written one together too? It's true. The Hockey Player's Heart is the story of an NHL all-star who returns to his hometown and unexpectedly runs into the guy who he was head over heels for in high school. He didn't have the guts back then to tell him how he felt. Now he isn't going to let this opportunity slip through his fingers. But how can it ever work between a pro hockey player and a sweet small town guy afraid to give love a chance? The Hockey Player's Heart is available on Amazon in both print and ebook formats and can be read for free with your Kindle Unlimited subscription. This story is very special to us. It's filled with small town charm and two nice guy heroes with hearts of gold working hard to find their happily ever after. We hope that you'll give it a try. And now, back to the podcast. So as I mentioned, I'm so happy that our listeners decided that Adriana Herrera was one of the listener favorite episodes. It has been so wonderful reading the Dreamer series over the last year and being able to cap it off with the Christmas story. Going back and revisiting this interview, which was done in May of 2019, as the second book was getting ready to come out, you can hear all of the foundation that she put into that series and everything that she wanted to do with it. And I think it all paid off so very well. So here is Adriana talking to us from episode 188 about the Dreamer series. Welcome, Adriana, to the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. (laughs) So have we, to be honest, since we read American (laughs) Dreamer that we loved. We loved so much. So a good first question is, what was the inspiration behind the Dreamer series? So basically, I think I wanted to write Afro-Latinx characters. I was, I've said this um, in a couple of the conversations I've had about the book. I, it was really a specific time a couple years ago, right after the election, when there was just like a lot of negative conversation around the place of immigrants in the U.S. And I just really felt compelled to write a story that I felt I could honor like my, my identity, which is Afro-Latinx and the Afro-Latinx immigrant experience. And I think representation has also been an issue for me with romance specifically. I feel like there's a lot, there are stories of people of color and gay romance, but I felt like they were either really surface characters or there was like a real like toil story 
like, you know, the person had to go through like every kind of like horrific thing. So I wanted to write something that could be nuanced and also like show the joyfulness and the beauty of being a person that's Afro-Latinx and all the amazing things that we come with. So that was kind of like where I was coming from. And I also really, really wanted a book literally full of just like the gayest, most black and brown book I could write. (laughs) It should almost be a quote on the cover. (laughs) Yeah. I want it to be super gay, super black, super brown. (laughs) So right before we did this interview, you raved on fairy tale. Tell us in your own words what that story is about and kind of how it falls in the series. So it's the second book in the Dreamer series, and it's set in New York City, which um, is different from Dreamer, which is set in Ithaca. And it's about Camilo Briggs, who's um, one of the best friends of Nesta from the first book. And he's a Cuban-Jamaican social worker. And he works in the domestic violence field, which is the same field that I work in. And he meets this, like, very hot stranger at a gala, and he turns out to be a big donor for his, for the agency that he works for, that Camila works for. And Tom is an interesting character because he's a billionaire, which we love in our romances, but he's also Dominican and white passing, which is something that I really wanted to explore in a book, what it means to be Latinx, but also like kind of have the privilege of like presenting as a white person and what that means and how hard that is to like navigate. So I, I guess like it's about, a fa- it's a fairy tale, it's a modern day fairy tale, but it's also, again, like a different side to the Latinx experience. And it's sweet and fun and cute and sexy. <laughs> Yes, it most, yeah, it definitely is. Before we get to the, the next question, I want to commend you on the sort of... What I found really enjoyable about not only American Dreamer, but the uh, American Fairy Tale as well, is the sort of like the, the group of friends, the sense of like found family that comes across really strong in this series. I think it's exceptionally well done. And especially in that first book, because like right at the beginning from the get-go, you introduce this, frankly, a really large cast of characters. And I think with a lesser author, that could, frankly, get confusing. I know when I read a book, I get confused easily if there are like, you know, five, six, seven people, you know, names and personalities all thrown at you at once. But... Each of your characters, each of the friends in that group are so clearly delineated. And especially in that first book in the opening scene, you give us the the briefest glimpses of who they are. And and we understand, frankly, you know, right away where they kind of fit in the the group of friends. And and of course, they're all wonderful and interesting (laughs) and funny and they give each other shit like good friends do. (laughs) I, I love this group of guys so much. Thank you. I have to admit, like, these, they're not my friends, but those four guys are very inspired on my, like, really core group of friends in my early 20s. In the DR, when I was still in Dominican Republic, like, my core group of friends were mostly gay men, because my cousin, who's like my brother, 
who's 14 months older than I is gay. And a lot, like, we kind of just, like, started hanging out with this group of, like, queer kids in the DR, which in the 90s was kind of an interesting crowd to be in just because it wasn't really okay to be openly gay. And so, and we had so much fun and we did so much like crazy stuff together. And I just kind of really wanted to kind of like write a love letter to those, like those friendships and those years. And a lot of them ended up coming to the States at the same time I did in my early twenties. So I think they feel so real because they are like real. These books are getting so much praise. What do you think is resonating with the readers? I think people are more open now, or I think there we're always sure that we're open to like reading about those different experiences. But I think there's like a particular appetite now for reading more characters that are bringing with them like a different lived experience. And I think that, might be part of it, like why people are interested in the story. And I think everybody can connect to like a striving story. You know, I think like Nesto and Jude and Camilo, Patrice, Juan Pablo, all of them, like they're just striving to be who they know they deserve to be for the lives that they're working for. And I think everyone can relate to that and that struggle of like, fighting for what you want. Did you also intend to make everybody hungry with American Beaver? Yes. yes. Was that part of like your side plot? Yes. Yes, I did. I want it because um, also that's the other piece. Like Caribbean food is very similar, but very like different in many ways. And I talk about that a lot in Dreamer. And it's the, I wanted to just like show people like all the different flavors and how we're all connected so I think it's something that doesn't really get talked about as much, like the wide variety of our flavors. So I did intentionally want people to be very interested in Caribbean food. I wanted people to Google Dominican restaurants, and it sounds like I succeeded. I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten into fairy tale yet. Is there food there also, or do we break away from the food a little bit? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. It's not as much food. It's more about, I feel like fairy tales more about like Harlem and the Bronx. I have a lot of places in Harlem and the Bronx because mm-hmm. again, there are a lot of romances set in New York City. Not many of them are set in Harlem and the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go to the places where like the diaspora that I belong to came to. So I think that's more, I'm hoping people Google places to go in the Bronx and Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> With this one. That is a good, good goal to have, most definitely. This group of characters, they come from uh, a lot of different backgrounds. What is your mm-hmm. process for basically ensuring accurate representation? Is it all from your own personal experience or or something else? Yeah. Yeah. So, so far in this series, and I'm sure that as I write more, then I'm going to have to go outside of that. But so far in this series, I've really gone with origin stories that I know of or from people that are like my friends or things like that, like Camilo's mom, for example, is a Marielita, which was a specific group of Cuban refugees that came at a specific time to the U.S. And I kind of touch upon that because that's like a very important, like, 
influx of immigrants that came at a specific time. And they're all particular experiences that I have been connected to through my friends or family. But I do think writing diaspora is something that people need to be more thoughtful about. So I think I try to think a lot about like, when did this person come? How did they come? What was the political situation in the U.S. at that time? How they would have been received like with Patrice, you know, his Haitian and he's black his experience and the way he was received would be different than, for example, Camilo, who came as a, who's, Camilo's mom who came as a Cuban refugee and had like protected status as she came in to the US. So it's very, like there's nuances there and like context that really needs to be thought about because it really impacts how the person like can integrate into American life. Yeah. And speaking of writing from experience, you have a job in, in social work and advocacy. Did you use your own personal experience when writing about Camilo's work? Yes. So Camilo's work and my work, I mean, I really drew, drew from what I do every day to kind of like build Camilo's agency. I mean, kind of like my wish list almost. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish we could have a guy <laughs> that just wants to drop $2 million on my agency and tell us, do whatever you want with it. So I think it was like my fantasy of what it would be like to be in an agency that is just being well-funded and like resources are just there to do the work. So I think it's like my, my own fairy tale of what it would be like to mm -hmm. work and just have a millionaire just drop money on us. But <laughs> yes, it's very very connected to my own work and kind of like my philosophy around the domestic violence field and how the work should go. Mm -hmm. I like how you set really the books in our extremely modern times too. And I, I think in American Dreamer, as as Nesto faces the discrimination of the, of the who I like to call the evil woman. Um, yes. And how even he, he deals with it. Because I think that it tells a story that not everybody necessarily thinks about all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really wanted to contrast even in the book, like Jude's own reactions to her, her, the racism and the obvious discrimination and sabotaging and Nesto's reactions to it. And the reality that there are, there are different consequences for some people than to others. And that that's a reality you kind of just have to got, walk with. Mm -hmm. And I loved how he dealt with it too, taking that high road. I just like, mm -hmm. go Nesto. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's, I mean, it's a reality. You like, it could have a consequence that was like very, very difficult for him. So he mm -hmm. couldn't just like get into a thing with this lady. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, American Dreamer was your first book. Yeah. How did you come into writing romance and specifically MM romance? So I've been toying with the idea of writing an MM romance for a long time. I've been an MM romance reader for like a long time. Like I was, I was at the first GRL. I've been, I'm like an OG <laughs> <laughs> of MM romance. But I was a lot more involved in the community and then kind of stepped back. I got busy and I just kind of kept reading. But I had it in the back of my mind. I find the I find that what MM Romance brought to my life in terms of like dynamics and relationships and seeing, like I said, having friends 
all my life that were gay men and me being so close to so many men who were like looking to fall in love and not being able to see love stories. Like I remember when I started reading LGBT books, they were very like sad, very sad stories like in the 90s, right? Like, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. And so they like just be, finding your romance was something that was like so incredibly like wonderful for me. And I thought, wouldn't it be even more wonderful if I could actually find my particular experience and the particular experience of the people who I love in those books? So it was kind of like a combination of going to a place like the type of story that had been really meaningful to me and then kind of like putting my own experience into the space. What was it like to write the first book after having read so many? Was it a kind of a, mm. an easy process or was it crazy and hard and took years or? So it didn't take me that long <laughs> if I have, if I'm honest, but I have been thinking about it for a long time. So before I actually like started writing, I kind of like did a whole year of like reading a lot of craft books and going to workshops and like trying things. And I actually started a book set in Ethiopia, which is like also a gay romance. And I got through like a third of that and I was like, I cannot write this book. I am not equipped to write a gay romance in Ethiopia right now. So I went to, and I decided I, I want to do this story this dreamer story and then that's when I started but it was like a year and a half before I actually like felt like brave enough to actually write it yes well, I'm so <laughs> glad you, that you found that bravery <laughs> to give us yes. what we got yeah um, who would you say your author influences are you say you've read you know mm forever even before it was truly mm back in the Saturdays. yeah I have a lot of authors that, I mean, I've loved a lot of authors from the beginning that I think, I don't know if I emulate, but I think about a lot and they're kind of how they render a story. Like KJ Charles, I think, is a wonderful author. I think she just does things that are like phenomenal in writing. Elin Harris was probably the first queer romance that I ever read. And I think I think it's really sad that he's not like in the canon of what we talk about when we talk about queer romance. So yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of writers. There's a lot of authors that I kind of go back to and read and read just to kind of be inspired by the way that they render a story. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But what is it about those books that, that resonated for you so much? I think, well, first of all, it was like, it felt, they felt familiar. They felt familiar in a way that was like a discovery almost. Cause like I didn't really ever know any people, a, a black man who was really exploring like the falling in love and, and, and the feelings and the struggle and, and the conflicts of trying to make like to make yourself happy and to find the love that you have this, like to keep the love that you've discovered. Right. So I think his books, I thought were just so beautifully written and so tender and so heartbreaking. It was, it was just wonderful. Like I think being 
race in Dominican Republic where there's like toxic masculinity on steroids. Like the tenderness of his books really was something that I hadn't like read before. I think it just was kind of like eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. so far in your Dreamer series, we've had Nesto and Jude's story mm-hmm. and Camilo and Tom's story. There is, of course, thank God, there's going to be a third book. Yes. Whose story are we are going to get get in that one? And what can you tell us about that one? So it's Patrice's book. Patrice is Nesto's friend who's a Haitian-American man. He's a professor. And he, it's set in Ithaca, so he, he conveniently gets a job at Cornell in the economics department and moves to Ithaca. And he reconnects with Easton Archer, who is a character that we meet in Dreamer, who's a prosecutor, um, an assistant district attorney in Ithaca. And Easton is white, so it's an interracial romance. Yeah. When did that one get to come out? That one comes out in October. I just saw Proof for the Cover last week, or no, earlier this week, and it is so nice. I love it. I think it's my favorite one, and I really love the covers for both books so far. But it's I'm calling it my Black Lives Matter romance, although it's not super intense, but it's definitely like the conflict between Patrice and Easton is definitely revolving around kind of like having to navigate both of like their positions in life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We we got a, a brief glimpse of Patrice and Easton, like you mentioned in that first book. And then in mm-hmm. American Fairy Tale, there was a scene with all of the friends together and, and pa- Patrice sort of like phones in on Skype while they're like <laughs> dishing about Camilo's mm-hmm. love life, which is was very, very funny. So I am <clears throat> genuinely like so very looking forward to Patrice's story. I think it's going to be amazing. Can't wait. I know it's I I I've been revising it, like I said and I think it's it's a it's a sweet story and then there's a little bit more two characters that people have been curious about too Ari and Jin who were employees <laughs> of Nestos and they're like in their like little tiny like young person romance so it's that's they're like a little cute element for <laughs> a love story it's called American Love Stories the title of Patrice's story. Cool. And then you mentioned before uh, we started actually recording the interview that you're you're writing the fourth book right now. Mm-hmm. Any, yeah. any teasers on that? So that one is not an MM. It's an MF, actually. It's Juan Pablo's story. And Juan Pablo is, it's like, I'd say a second chance story. And it's the heroine is Priscilla, who is Nestle's cousin, who's a police officer. <laughs> And it's called American Sweethearts. So it starts, the only thing you can say, the book starts with a wedding in the Dominican Republic, but I'm not going to say whose. <laughs> oh, such oh, a tease. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tease a little more when I have, I feel like I can't tease too much of this book because it's not even halfway done yet. Sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm writing, right now I'm writing the first, you know, like, chapters and they're all in this wedding in the DR. So everybody's there. We've seen with some traditionally MF series where an MM book 
ends up in the series. And I like how you're kind of spinning that around till you've got an MM series so far and you're putting an MF book in it. Yeah. Just to like broaden that universe out. Yeah. Cause I, so my kind of little tagline is like, I write romance full of people who look and sound like my people. And there's a lot of my people who are gay men, like so many of them, <laughs> but not all of them are. So I, I wanted to, in this series, at least have one story where, you know, like both Priscilla and Juan Pablo are queer, like she's pan, he's bi, but it's also like a different type of, you know, experience because they're both, you know, in engaging in a straight relationship, which brings on, like has its own privileges, Mm -hmm. like in terms of like how it appears. So I also wanted to kind of like to explore that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think exploring the pansexuality too will be interesting because that, doesn't turn up in a lot of books, at least the ones that cross my radar. And it's, I think it's nice to see that representation as well, alongside the ethnic background representation that you're bringing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, and it's something that I think it's because of their age. Like I have, like I'm trying to kind of like engage a little bit in even Priscilla arriving to a place where she's like, Oh, actually I'm pan. It's as opposed to like, I thought I was bisexual and how she arrived at that. Cause I think that's something that for people my age, like I'm 40, it's something that we arrived at because we didn't even have the language for that. Mm-hmm. Like 15, 10 years ago, we were like, oh, I think I'm gay. But then it's like, oh, but there's like a whole spectrum of sexuality, gender identity. And I think there's so much that we didn't know that we know now that should be coming up in books. Mm-hmm. And it's great that you're kind of leading the way to kind of get some of that out there too. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great time to be writing romance, I think. Mm-hmm. So besides the dreamer books, is there anything else coming up that you're looking to, to write in the coming, I'll say years since probably dreamer has you going for the rest of this year, probably if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So I do have a couple of things that I'm working on. I have, I'm like in the process right now of getting out this, I did write the gay romance set in Ethiopia. And I'm in the process of like, I should have good, some good news about it soon. And it's a romance set in Ethiopia. And it's a Dominican American relief worker. I did relief, international relief work for a long time. And I lived in Ethiopia for about five years. And so I really wanted to write a book set in Ethiopia because I have a lot of love for Ethiopia. And it's like the, my years there were very significant in my life. So it's a gay romance. It's not legal to be in a same-sex relationship in Ethiopia. So there are complications. And it's um, a Dominican-American relief worker and a colleague who's Ethiopian. And they fall in love. I am so glad you finished that book. You you kind of left that off back there when we were talking about it before, because yeah. that'll be that'll be great to see. Because I I can't even I have you know no experience in either any of those spaces. So to read a romance yeah. set there will be an adventure. Yeah, it's it was wonderful to write. Like I said, I have a lot of love for that country, and I think people's perception of it is like you know people starving. And there's just so much richness and so much beauty and magic in Ethiopia that I really wanted to just show a different face to it. 
And I think it's like a really sweet romance, too. And the setting is interesting. It's more like a new adult. They're in their 20s. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it'll be out this year, maybe? I don't know if this year, but definitely early next year. Like, for sure, ne- early next year. Yeah. Very cool. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely looking should... forward to that. Um, yeah. Now, now you've given us uh, a lot of amazing information about all of your amazing books. But if our listeners want to learn even more, where can they find find out more about you and your books online? So they can go to my website. is adrianaherreraromance.com. I'm pretty active on Twitter. And my handle is La Adriana Herrera. And Facebook, I'm also there, Adriana Herrera. So those are the places. I'm on Instagram, but not as much. Very cool. We will link to all of that plus all the books in our show notes so that folks can easily click on that stuff to find you. Adriana, thank you so, so much for being with us. (laughs) It has been awesome talking to you. Thank you. It was so much fun and just as amazing as I thought it was going to be to chat with you guys. (laughs) This week's interview transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again to Adriana for some wonderful books and a wonderful interview. And I want to call out, too, that she talked about Finding Joy, which is the Ethiopian set romance that she did. That has been one of my favorite books of this year also. Make sure you check out Adriana's Pride Month bonus episode that we had with her. She does a wonderful reading from Finding Joy. And in fact, I noticed as I was prepping this episode that the Finding Joy audiobook snuck out sometime in September and I missed it. Ooh. I know, I right? I didn't know that either. <laughs> I found that on Libro.fm, to be quite honest. So yeah, definitely check that book out if you have not read that one either, because it was a delight. All right. I think that'll do it for this week's anniversary show. Coming up next in episode 266, author Jace Ellis joins us to talk about her latest book, Learned Behaviors. I so much enjoyed talking to Jace and getting to know her. I'm going to tell everybody that you're going to want to come hear this episode to learn about a particular gift that she once gave her husband because it was just a wonderful story. And you could spend the next week wondering what that might actually be about. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Big Gay Fiction Podcast original music is by Daryl Banner. Thank you.